Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, luminary, and tune in. You can also find us at believe.com and at believe podcasts on Twitter. And welcome into another brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated. Uh, the Panthers dropped to 5-11 and on the season with a 18-10 loss to the New Orleans Saints this past Sunday. Uh, kind of a uh, sluggish defensive type of battle, if you want to call it that, between uh, the Panthers and the Saints. We'll get into a recap of that. Uh, we'll get into the offensive line woes, some post uh, post game comments made from uh, head coach Matt Rule, and uh, some of the offensive line. We'll go into that as well. Panthers have their final game of the season against Tampa Bay this upcoming Sunday. We'll talk about that. Hey, maybe we might even get into uh, what in the world happened with Antonio Brown on Sunday, and uh, <laughs> if he has a future uh, as a football player going forward, since we're going to be seeing Tampa on Sunday. Uh, but before we get into all that, a quick word from our friends over at Bet Online. Back and better than ever with a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite, favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. That is bet online where the game starts. Uh, let's just start with uh, digging into the ugly here. 1810, uh, the Panthers fall to the Saints on the road. The Panthers are now three and five away from Bank of America Stadium. Uh, Sam Darnold got the nod to be the starter earlier in the week from uh, head coach Matt Rule and uh, as I bring Skyler in here, I think we kind of talked about the fact that uh, the way they discussed Sam Darnold's injury length and the amount of time it would take for him to return, I think in the back of our heads, we kind of thought the scenario could take place where uh, eventually they were going to put Sam Darnold back in there. And on Sunday, they kind of turned the keys back over to Sam, wouldn't you say? I mean, he pretty much played uh, the entire game, save for, I think, like one one play. Cam came in and uh, had like a run and play or something like that. But I don't really remember Cam being in there at all. Yeah, he had one snap from what I remember. And I, it's the right thing to do. Like I've said, you know, the last couple of shows, they have to figure out what they want to do with Sam Darnold. It, it, at this point, like, yes, they're trying to win games, but they also need to see if they can win games with Sam Darnold or if they can't. And – when you had that little glimpse early in the season when they won the first three games of the year, they still think that they could get back to that. They could they could get Sam Darnold to get back to that form. And if they can show – or if he can show that little bit of glimpse, it gives them a little hope going into next year that they don't have to waste $18 million or whatever that they have to eat to potentially trade him. So it makes sense to me to start him against New Orleans. makes sense to start him again this week against Tampa Bay. And honestly, I don't think he played terrible. You know, he got off to a really good start. I mean, I think he hit on his first 10 or 11 passes. Yeah, I think it was like uh, nine for nine or something that first drive. And yeah, he played yeah. he played pretty well the first drive or two. Yeah. Yeah, he, he really found, I think, a rhythm early on. He had some confidence. Now, granted, they weren't really throwing the ball down the field much. But again, a lot of that is due to what New Orleans does defensively. Dennis Allen is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL, uh, could be a head coach. But the thing with with New Orleans, you you can't really throw the ball downfield because, especially with this offensive line, they're not going to hold up against that pass rush. So they, they are going to have to get the ball out. That's why they didn't really stretch the ball down the field. This week against Tampa, Tampa's got a good defensive front too, but I think they're going to be able to take a little bit more shots down the field, which is what they want to see from Sam uh, before they start making their decision. But you know, overall, I thought he did okay. wasn't great. wasn't terrible. It's kind of a, an average Sam Darnold performance, kind of what we've seen before. 
Yeah, 17 for 26 for 132 yards. He averaged about 5.1 yards through the air, uh, had an interception, no touchdowns. Uh, he got sacked seven times. Uh, now, granted, I think two of those were from him running out of bounds uh, behind the line of scrimmage, and they got counted as sacks. But a couple of those, um, there were dudes just running in untouched, like from the edge, that I still can't figure out. I think it was John Miller that was responsible for a couple of these where uh, a guy would just come in and like the the guy that was supposed to pick him up literally just turns his body the other direction and never sees him coming. So they're double teaming like a a defensive tackle on the inside, and there's just this open avenue on the outside for a safety blitz or whoever to come in. And uh, we kind of watched it multiple times on uh, Sunday. I, I to a certain extent, I agree with head coach Matt Rule that it's really hard to uh, evaluate the quarterbacks behind this offensive line which he did say point blank on Sunday in the post game. Having said that you put together the offensive line. So uh, <laughs> what are we doing? Like you can't say, well, I can't figure out what quarterback's best because our offensive line isn't that good. When you're the one that built the offensive line and thought it would be good enough to get through a 18 game uh, or a 17 game NFL season. And uh, it is not uh, right guard. John Miller. I-, I was telling you off the mic before we started in the post game, he said something along the lines of, sacks happen or something like that in the NFL. And that got me so angry at John Miller for saying something like that. Cause to me, that reveals the mentality of the offensive line. Like, you know, it, you know Hey, if the quarterback gets sacked or touched or whatever, it's not that bad. We got another play coming up next. The offensive line should be a cohesive unit thinking that no one should ever touch their quarterback. And just for him to say something like that, just kind of revealed to me his mentality mm-hmm of where they are, not just him, but the offensive line unit for the season with one game to go. Yeah, I mean, this this is really hard, I think, really to evaluate much of anything because once once Sam got hurt, and I, I understand they weren't playing well with him, but when he got hurt, that kind of just really threw a wrench into everything because then you brought in Cam Newton. He had to learn a whole offense out of nowhere. And you had Christian McCaffrey out. Then after that, you've lost Dante Jackson. You've lost several other pieces of, you know, the team due to injury. And it's just kind of been an, a never-ending cycle of guys going out, whether it be COVID or injuries. It's hard to evaluate. And like I've said, with this team in particular, like I get at injuries happen in the, in the NFL. They happen to every single team. But some teams just can't overcome a certain amount of injuries. And this is one of them. Like this, the, the margin for error for this team is so small that when they lose certain guys at certain positions, it's going to show up and it's not going to, t- to end well. My biggest gripe, I think, with this fan base is that they don't understand that if you, if you just go back and, and before the season even starts and you say Christian McCaffrey plays seven games and you lose uh, your, your starting center, Matt Paradis, for the season, you've got 11 different starting offensive line combinations – Sam Darnold sits out five games, and you're going to sit here and tell me that this team should be eight, nine wins in going into the last game of the year. I would tell you you're freaking crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. That, no, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. <laughs> no. And then to add on top of that, oh, yeah, Cam Newton comes back and, like I said, you know, learns the offensive playbook out of nowhere, and you expect them to win games. Like, that's just not the NFL. The NFL is so hard to win. Even when you have everything going your way, you have everyone healthy, you have all this continuity on the offensive line. When you have all these problems add up in in one season, you're not going to win games. Like, I I don't care if you're playing the Atlanta Falcons, the Miami Dolphins, or the Kansas City Chiefs, you're not going to win games. So for me, I think the moment Sam Darnold went out, I had a little bit of hope thinking that Cam might help them, you know, kind of be that bridge until Sam got back. But I, I was never like, okay, yeah, they could pro- – they have a really good chance of getting in the playoffs still. Like, I, I still thought it was a, a long shot to happen. As soon as he got hurt, my mind instantly flipped to, okay, I'm not worried about what's going to happen in terms of wins and losses. I want to see how this team comes out and plays each week and mm-hmm. how hard they're playing. Desmond, I, I know it to a lot of people. This, this New Orleans Saints game – may have been ugly. It may not have been uh, very good on offense, especially. But what I saw was a lot of dudes giving a lot of effort. Like, to me, if they were checked out on this coach, 
and they and they were done with Matt Rule. They didn't believe in his process, and like kind of all these rumors are flying around about the, the locker room. To me, they wouldn't have showed up and played as hard as they did against New Orleans. They had a, they had the ball in their hands at the final game drive of the game with a chance to go tie it up. Like, and, and there was a couple of guys that came out due to injury and went right back in. Like Matt Rule said, I think in Stephon Gilmore, he's he's trying to play this week against Tampa Bay. Like, do you think that guys like that, especially Stephon Gilmore, who could potentially go somewhere else in the offseason to maybe a, a team that has a better chance of contending and, and risk playing in this game? Like, I, I just think there's so many narratives out there that I think people have certain agendas. And we'll get to Joe Person's article in a little bit because I, I don't think Joe's a great dude. I, I don't have anything against Joe. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's be, he's writing he's writing what he's he's been told. But I do think some of the people that may be telling him stuff may have an agenda. But we'll get to that. But yeah, I, that's actually I, a great angle there uh, that, I, that I didn't even think about. To be honest, uh, that, that's actually a really good angle. We'll get to that uh, shortly. Joe Person, friend of uh, the program, I've known Joe for or worked with Joe as a Panther uh, insider going on three plus years now. Um, so we'll get to that. As of course, everybody knows uh, Joe person's uh, explosive article on the athletic at the beginning of the week uh, kind of set the stage for uh, going into this game versus new Orleans. I, I agree with you. I don't catch the sense that the players have checked out on Matt rule. I, I no. catch the sense that if I was a player, I probably would have checked out on Matt Rule by this point from what I've seen <laughs> from the outside in, but that's entirely the point. I don't get the chance to see what's going on on the inside, you know, Tuesday through Friday or whatever, uh, when they're in the building preparing for a football game. I don't see his method. I don't see what he's doing uh, on a day-to-day basis. All I see is what he's doing on Sunday and then what he's talking about after the game is over. And um, I don't catch that fe- that feeling that, players have you know checked out i do think they're frustrated um shaq thompson in particular seemed extremely frustrated after the game uh during his uh his presser um but that's understandable he's the the lone leftover really on that defense from the previous regime and was was shaq on the 2015 i don't think shaq was on the 2015 super bowl team yeah i believe he was i think that was his rookie year might have been his rookie year so he he's used to you know having the Thomas Davises and the Luke Keekleys and the KK shorts and uh, you know, those guys uh, uh, in front of him and cam actually mentioned this. Uh, and this might be an issue that the team is going through right now when they cleaned everything out. Cam mentioned it might've been last week um, when he was being pretty reflective after that final home game where he was talking about all the guys he had looked up to and been there with him throughout his tenure. And he was thinking about all the greats and Steve Smith and Jordan gross and these guys and that, he kind of hinted around the idea that these guys don't have anyone on the roster that can teach them what keep pounding means. Um, it's one of the things that's kind of crazy. I do a lot of high school football stuff here uh, where I am in the, uh, the triad of North Carolina. And I've always said, that, you know, at that level, and really you could look at it at college or pro, there are teams and there are programs. And with teams, teams can be, you know, like hot one year, uh, win 11 games or whatever, make a playoff run. And then the next year they fall back to the earth and, you know, 500 or whatever. They just had a good run, had a good group of guys, that kind of thing. Programs, it doesn't matter who is playing. Programs like uh, it, the names change, uh, personnel may change, but the mentality of the team and what they do is there ingrained in it because you have people in the program that are teaching it to the ones underneath and going forward. And right now, I think what you're kind of seeing is Matt Rule trying to implement what he wants to have as the uh, new mentality of the Panthers, but he's having to do it with the entire crop of people are brand new to it. So he's having to build this and that's painful. It, it takes a long time to build that kind of thing, but he's getting towards the end of the runway. I will say that because I don't think that he's going to get longer than next year to try to instill that. If you can't instill your program within three years after you've cleaned the slate then it may not be something you can implement. And that's the thing I'm worried about right now. Although it does appear guys like Shaq Thompson uh, and others, even Cam, have, you know, they see what's going on day to day and they're fine with it, but they're not getting results in the field. And that's probably where the where a lot of the frustration's coming from. Yeah, I mean, Cam Cam backed up Matt Rule, I think it was last week, and said that, you know, last time I checked, Matt Coach Rule wasn't out there playing. And right. Brian Burns, um, I believe before the Saints game, 
at some point during the week, he he backed up Matt Rule and said that they believe in what he's doing and that, you know, anytime he criticizes you, you, you got to know it comes from a place of love. And then um, on Sunday, you know, Shaq was asked, uh, which, again, if you have not watched the Shaq Thompson press conference, go back and watch it. I, I, I highly suggest it. It is very worth your five to six minutes of time because yeah. <laughs> it's very, very good. He, he is very animated. He's very visibly upset. And and that's what you want to see. And it, for anyone that doesn't have hope, go watch that Shaq Thompson press conference because I tell you, you watch that, you're going to feel a little bit better. It may not be a lot, but a little bit better about now, how things can go down a stretch. And when they asked him about, you know, is there any, you know, you know, th- things going on in the locker room that may, you know, go on with Matt Rule. And he's like, no, not at all. And he, to me, Shaq Thompson, you know, people were, I saw people comment and so on it and said, well, yeah, like a player is going to come out and just say it like that. I, I, trust me. Uh, yeah, like, actually, I think they would. <laughs> yeah, they definitely would. It's happened before. Mm-hmm. And Shaq Thompson is a guy we have talked to him many times. He will tell you straight up what he is thinking. He is not going to hold back. He, he doesn't filter his thoughts. He just he says what he's going to say. So if he really thinks that there's a problem with Matt Rule, he was he was going to say something. Yep. He's telling you he's not. Amir Abdullah yesterday was asked the same thing. Has he ever been in a team or on a team where maybe one side of the ball is good, the other side of the ball wasn't so much, and there was any dissension in the locker room? And he said, "Yeah, I've been that been there before with Minnesota, and it, that's not happening here." So, to me, it's these guys understand they're out of the playoffs, but they're still fighting. To me, that shows something. Whether they're doing good or not, that's that's a whole another topic. But for them to still continue to fight through everything they've been through, it, again with nothing but pride, playing for, for for playing for pride right now, tells me a lot. And the only way this team is going to get better is by just getting to the offseason. You know, one of the things, too, that uh, – well, two things, actually. One thing that I've kind of started to notice is that the defense has been a steady – I don't want to say decline. Um, they, they've been solid. They're just not spectacular. They don't force turnovers. Uh, they're not they're, – they're, they're kind of a bend-don't-break defense. They'll let you get up and down the field a little bit. But not – when you look at the final box score at the end of games, it's like, okay – they held Alvin Kamara to 32 yards on 13 carries, 2.5 yards a carry, which is awesome. Under uh, 40 yards in two games for him. Yeah, you know, the, the, the Saints only rushed for 73 yards total as a team. Uh, 45 yards of that was Taysom Hill kind of just breaking off whenever uh, a, a play broke down. They kept Taysom Hill to 222 yards in the air. Um, they only got to him twice in the backfield for sacks, but it's like the defense is kind of – with the defense, it's like it's building blocks. You kind of see the foundation of the house being built, and you feel like, okay, if they can keep all these guys together and they can keep a couple of guys like uh, like Dante Jackson, get J.C. Horn back, who I think a lot of the Panther fan base has forgotten about at this point. Yeah. I, I think they feel like, you know, he, they don't even remember he's on this team, but that defense weeks one through three was the healthiest it's been all year, and I think that was the best it played all year when you have Horn and Jackson as your starting cornerbacks. Ever since then, when Horn got hurt and then eventually Jackson afterwards, you've been kind of doing a hodgepodge with like random dudes back there. And at first people were like, oh, they're stockpiling on cornerbacks. Why are they doing that? Now look at the depth the depth chart for cornerbacks for the Panthers. They're literally down to like There's one or two dudes, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> and they start off like seven, eight guys. We're like how are they going to play all these guys? That's kind of what happened last year where, they ran out of dudes. They ran out of dudes to put back there, and they couldn't get off the field on third down. It's starting to happen again uh, with this team, and a lot of it's just through attrition of you know guys getting hurt, and not being available, and uh, what you have left out there. The front, uh, the defensive front's playing pretty good football, uh, but they're not getting a lot of help. And I've gotten to a point where I'm kind of done with Sam Darnold. Like we've seen him now in two different stints: healthy, coming back off of injury. And and in this particular game where he knew he wasn't getting yanked, like this is basically Sam's opportunity to go out there and play against a team he already beat earlier in the year. And it's like, all right, let's see what you can do. No, you don't have Christian McCaffrey, but Chuba Hubbard can be a reliable. Him and Abdullah can be a reliable, you know, backfield to get you some yardage out of it. And I did see he started using Hubbard more uh, on checkdowns the same way they kind of use CMC, which which helped him a lot. But 132 yards passing for the game, no touchdowns. 
it's just not good enough. And I don't know if an offseason is going to change that. Uh, I guess the question is, if Sam Darnold has a good offensive line, does that change anything? Because something that uh, was brought to my attention uh, on Sunday that I wasn't aware of, Joe Burrow has been sacked like 53 times or something this year. Um, Similar numbers to Sam Darnold. But Joe Burrow looks like an MVP candidate, and he has the Bengals atop the AFC North as AFC North champs. Is it just a matter of talent level? Like, clearly Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. Can Sam Darnold be uh, a utility guy where you don't expect him to go out and win games for you, but he doesn't lose games for you? Or do you need to move on past everyone that's in that quarterback room and try for a third time to bring in someone in here, knowing if you're Matt Rule, knowing that if you strike out on this one three times, you're probably out. Yeah, well, it's it's going to be a tough decision because, I again, that fifth-year option, everything we come back to points back to that $18 million. And that's, a, that's one move that they should not have made, at least before the season started. Now, people can have their, their gripes about trading three draft picks for Sam Darnold and all that. To be honest with you, I was I don't have a big deal or a big problem with it because I thought, I thought they got some of those back in the draft. Yeah, too. I keep did. hearing people say that, but I thought Fitter maneuvered and got some of those picks back. So it really was for like a second or something like that. If I, I thought, yeah, essentially because if you remember, they traded back into the third round and and Tab uh, got they got Brady Christensen and Tommy Tremble in the third round. So they, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a round back, but still. And then you got the six round pick. Um, from Teddy or for Teddy Bridgewater, which I believe ended up going to New England for Stephon Gilmore. So that's a pretty good trade. Hmm. And they got a fourth round pick from Houston at some point in the draft as well. So they kind of recouped those picks. I don't have a problem getting 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 Sam Donald for three draft picks and not one of them being a first round pick. Right. Um, yeah. I, I highly, very rarely is a fourth and a sixth round pick really going to matter. Second round could, but it's a chance you're willing to take on a position that you need to fix. So I don't have a problem with that. The the biggest problem I had was them picking up the option before they even let him have a snap. That's the issue that I have with Scott Fitterer and the Sam Darnold situation. I just think that was a total mismanagement. I get maybe from the Darnold, uh, Sam Darnold's, you know, uh, representatives, they may have said, Hey, we will not like, we, we won't really, I don't know if he had any trade power. I don't think he did, but I, I think they really pushed for them to get that extra year. So I, I don't really know. But I just think that from a quarterback perspective, they they need to go out and get somebody, whether it be a rookie quarterback or another veteran. I just don't know what you're going to do with the $18 million. I mean, it's not going to disappear. So you've got to figure out how to maneuver that money around to where it's not going to completely damage your payroll for the 2022 season. I just don't know how they're going to go about it. And for me, yeah, Sam Darnold, he's not the guy. And whether you have a good offensive line or a better offensive line next year, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I mean, yeah, I don't think so either. We've seen what he can do even when he has good protection. I mean, it's it's just not good enough and, and as you you were saying like could he be a guy that doesn't lose you games? In my opinion, for this team to really take that next step they have to go above and beyond having a quarterback that avoids losing them games. They need a guy that can go win them games. And Sam Darnold, I don't see it being that guy. I, I just don't know what they're going to do. I, I would prefer that they go get a veteran, but that's just me. You mean someone like uh, – do you see them making a play for, say, maybe like a Russell Wilson who played college ball at NC yeah. State or uh, and seems this you know gruntled in Seattle? Uh, Deshaun Watson is still kind of out there. His court case wasn't going to be until after the season anyway, and it feels like we've been talking about it for a year, and we have. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo could be a, an option. Jimmy Garoppolo, who's led a team, well, has been quarterback of a team that's gone to the Super Bowl in the past three years, the 49ers. Uh, I don't know if I could say he led them there, but yeah. uh, <laughs> but he would. I think he would be a, a bit of an upgrade over Darnold. Um, and then maybe. This is, this is a, a bit of a home run, or, or not? I wouldn't say home run because granted how he's played this year. But what about the possibility of Baker Mayfield? Because hmm. Cle- he hasn't played well this year, but he has had the shoulder injury that he's been battling through all season. I don't know that Cleveland sold on Baker Mayfield. I don't even know that I'm sold on him. 
but I think he would give you a little better chance to see him, Darnold. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to look up free agent uh, quarterbacks for 2022 because I have no idea. Well, I believe uh, he still has one year left on his rookie deal, so he would have to be, I believe, a trade, be acquired via trade. But Yeah, I think they picked up his – is it his fifth-year option that they that I, they picked that up yet? Or I'm not sure. I haven't looked at uh, – of course, you got the big names, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, who, to be honest, I think the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl, and I think he's yeah. going to be back next year uh, in Green Bay. So all of this stuff that went through with Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers in the offseason is going to be for nothing. <laughs> he's, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Russell Wilson with Seattle. Um, they uh, it, Wilson feels like the one that's most likely to be moved out of the top-tier guys. Um, you got Kirk Cousins sitting there as well. Uh who's extremely efficient, but I've never been completely sold on him being a guy that can lead a team uh, to the promised land or so to speak, Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan, I think it's going on 35, if I'm not mistaken. Is Kirk uh, Cousins going to be a free agent? Yeah, uh, it's, it's saying I went to go 2022 off season. Uh, it's 15 veteran quarterbacks who could be on the move. I don't think he's a free agent. Uh, although I think, uh, the way that Kirk Cousins deal was made, because it was like fully guaranteed, it was like 90 something million or something like that, but it was like all of it paid in the first like three years of it. I think he's out of that three year part. So the Vikings, if they traded him, they would save $35 million. Uh, at, and they may very well, you know, do that in Minnesota. But um, I was just kind of poking around to attack of Aloha, maybe Jameis Winston, but he's all coming off a torn ACL. And then the, na- the names just kind of, fall from there nick Foles, jared goff uh cam newton sam darnold <laughs> um i think and- wilson would make sense the only problem is i i don't know if, if it's up to him he, i don't think he's going to come to carolina and the only reason i say that is because the reason why he's so disgruntled in seattle is because of how often he's been hit yes <laughs> if he's looking at this offensive line here in carolina i don't think he's going to come here unless he's got some assurance that it's going to look quite different next year. And I, what do you what do you think about uh, the Panthers getting someone like Kenny Pickett or Sam Howell uh, and having him sit behind Sam Darnold for a year? Like, would, does, does Rule have enough of a leash to do that? Do you think? I wouldn't mind it. I don't know. Again, yeah, with the leash, that's that's tough because I mean, if if they roll with Sam Darnold and have a little better offensive line and say they win seven games next year. They go seven and, what, ten? Oh, this, this then, fan base would explode if they had to go through another year but, like this. But I guess that's the that's the thing is how do they get to that seven and ten? Do they start with Donald? Does he get hurt and they throw the rookie in and they, and they win seven games with a rookie? Or do, or do they just give it to the rookie at some point and he wins seven games? I think if – if they bring in a rookie, it might give them a little longer leash as long as they show progress with that rookie. If they don't show any progress at all, then, yeah, I think that's that's going to be the, the the calling card for rule. But I just think for for Matt's sake, you need to go out and get a big – well, I w- it doesn't have to be a big-time name. It doesn't have to be Deshaun Watson. But a Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, uh, someone like that, you know, I think that can just kind of – mend the tie for a couple of years, maybe draft the quarterback in the third round. You know, you don't have a second round pick right now, but use that first round pick on an offensive lineman, go get your quarterback via trade, use a third round pick on a rookie quarterback and let him sit. I think that's the best way to do it. And guess what? If you don't feel comfortable moving off Sam Darnold where you can't, now you have three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and we say all that, but there's still the, and we touched on it at the very beginning of this episode, None of that matters. They don't fix the offensive line. Like, you know, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, Kenny Pickett, Sam, whoever's back there. I think the one theme that we've learned throughout this season is that it doesn't really matter who the Panthers put back there. If the offensive line is going in there with the mentality of sacks happen, then uh, (laughs) it's going to be a long day for the quarterbacks uh, for the Carolina Panthers. And I don't know, other than going about it the way they did, uh rules first draft where they basically well they did draft all defense with all seven picks first time in nfl history that's ever happened unless they go into this draft thinking okay we're going to stockpile some mid-round picks uh we don't have anything uh they they have their first don't they they still have their first round yeah. pick. 
Mm-hmm. They don't have a second um, as it stands at this moment. And then they've got a smattering of picks throughout. You can build an offensive line without a bunch of first round guys. It helps to have them, but you don't necessarily have to draft, you know, have everybody on your line from the first round or second round for it to be good. Uh, I've said it before, the Great Wall of Dallas, uh, the, the Dallas offensive line in the 90s. Yes, they did have uh, Eric Allen on that. And uh, they also had guys like Mark Stavnoski, who was like a seventh round draft pick or whatever and been bounced around from team to team. Like it, it's really more of a matter of mentality and who do you have coaching that offensive line? So I'm looking at what does Matt Rule do with his coaching staff in the offseason? Because that's going to be the thing that Tepper is probably going to demand for him to do that he kind of allowed him to bring in these guys from college, not a lot of pro experience. I think he's got to branch out from that and bring in guys that are in the league right now to bolster his coaching staff, offensive line, uh, off offensive coordinator. Cause I don't know if Jeff Nixon's actually going to be able to uh, keep that role going into next year. Uh, but I think that's critical where he's got to figure that out because the offensive line is a mess there. I can't count the number of times where, uh, the ball is snapped, and I'm just watching an offensive lineman just point blank miss an assignment in the middle of a game, like just not even swiveling their head to to catch the guy coming in, like, and then almost like standing there as if it's not their fault. Like it, it feels like the offensive line is just completely lost in terms of what they're doing, and it makes it impossible to run any kind of offense. So we can talk quarterbacks, we can talk Darnold, we can talk Cam Newton, uh, what happens when McCaffrey return, all these things, but. Until they fix the offensive line, I don't see them going anywhere. And it's the one area it feels like they've kind of just ignored or just thought it wasn't as big of a deal. And now we're seeing, you know, uh, rules start to acknowledge that, uh, you know, the offensive line is causing problems. Yeah, I think really what they wanted to do when they first got here is they knew for them to even be somewhat competitive, they had to field a defense. I mean, that's – that that's how, what wins you games in the NFL. I mean, you can have the big flashy offenses, but it's not going to get you anywhere unless you're able to get off the field defensively. So they spent all that money, whether it be draft or free agency, focusing on the defense side of the ball. Last year was kind of a mixture between the offense and defense. But what I think, you know, all, all these all these bad things about Matt Rule and his decisions and about personnel evaluations and stuff like that, like. Yes, I get it. You could say they spent money on Cam Irving and Pat Elfline on first day of free agency. I get it. We talked about this before. When a team is rebuilding, they go and make rebuilding type moves. They don't go out and get guys that are going to be their left tackle for the next five to six years. They're not going to get uh, a guy that's going to be their left guard for the next five to six years. They're making rebuild type moves. And the thing that I think gets lost is Brady Christensen now has a couple of starts under his belt left tackle. And has looked fairly well. Yeah. For them to get Brady Christensen in the third round, to get a guy like Jeremy Chin in the second round, to get a guy like Hassan Reddick in free agency, who's probably the best free agent signing from last offseason defensively. I mean, those are pretty good pickups. Amir Abdullah doesn't have great numbers, but for him to come in midseason with this team and to provide the spark that he has offensively, I mean, those are pretty good evaluations. Now, don't get me wrong. He has some bad ones. I don't agree with drafting a long snapper in the sixth round, but, (laughs) I mean, he does have some good picks. He does have some good free agent signings. I don't think it's totally, like, doom and gloom, as as it seems from the national media, because, like, when I watch the Panthers, I don't get that feeling like this is a clown show like you had said earlier in the show that you know, other people make it. Well, that's the, yeah, the media, the national media that probably doesn't pay attention to the fact that yeah. you know, we've switched offensive coordinators and things like that. Uh, they just kind of see it from the outside in. So yeah, like I, I don't see a clown show. What I when I think of a clown show, like I think of the New York Jets a couple of years ago with Adam Gase mm-hmm. like that. That's a clown show. Yeah. This <laughs> is a team that has de- been decimated with injuries <laughs> at certain spots. Like, there's building pieces. When you go back and you look at the Jets from a couple of years ago when they had Adam Gase, could you even say that they had any hope? Like, there was no franchise guys. And the only guy that they had was a franchise guy, Jamal Adams. Guess what? They traded him. So, like, here you got the Jeremy Chins, the Brian Burns, the Sondrex, DJ Moores, Christian McCaffrey's, Taylor Moten, Robbie Anderson. Like, you have the pieces you're just a few building blocks away from really taking off. And again, 
What also gets lost in this, this is the youngest team in the NFL, average age of 25.4 years of age. This team is only going to get better the longer they play together. When these guys turn 20, you know, like Jeremy Chan, Brian Burns, when they get three, four years into the league, just think about how good they're going to be then. I mean, they're already good. Like, just wait until they get better and they have other pieces around them to make them better. The, 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 the future for this franchise, whether it has Matt Rule in it or not, is going to be bright, which I think is going to be kind of a, a weird setup because if they do move on from Matt Rule, whoever takes over the head coaching job is going to be praised for everything that's going to happen in the future when it was already kind of built in place. That's a good, It's almost like a um, Butch Davis, Larry Coker, Miami yes. Hurricane type <laughs> thing where Butch Davis built that roster, but Larry Coker comes in and basically babysits them <laughs> for 2001, yep. and they were like the greatest college football team of all time uh, with like 20-plus first-rounders on it and like over 50 overall selections. And Yeah, so I, I kind of see that, and I do love uh, the selections they hit on in the draft. Like I, I don't have a problem with Derek Brown. I, I love Jeremy Chin. Uh, I, I love the Chuba Hubbard selection when it happened. Um, I love the Brady Christian selection. I, I was kind of confused that it's like rule has in his head that certain guys can only do certain things based off of analytics. And I think that's the one thing he might need to get out of a little bit in the pros. Uh, Cause it seems like Christensen didn't get in a lot because of his arm length and he didn't want to play him at left tackle. He wanted to play him at guard and uh, Christensen just, he's a left tackle, you know, I mean, put him in there. If I'm not mistaken, he was the highest rated left tackle coming out of college uh, last year at BYU. Um, and for him to still be there for them to get, to get him in the third, I thought was a steal. So, uh, you know, sometimes you're kind of seeing a coach learn on the job himself. And I think that's a lot of what's happening with rule. And he is getting a little bit more open in the press conferences, admitting faults and things like that, where I, I, earlier in the year, I was kind of getting on him for uh, the whole, you know, when he's talking a little faster than normal, you know, he's trying to cover up something and that kind of thing. He has over the past two weeks admitted uh, some things that the coaching staff could do better on where he wasn't doing that at all at the beginning of the year. So he's grown a little bit in these post-conference, the post-game press conferences, I guess we can say. Um, Real quick before we get on to Panthers-Bucks, I did want to touch on what happened with the Bucks. Uh, versus the Jets. <laughs> so that's a <laughs> that that was a that was just a clown. Like I, the buck, the fact that the Bucks were able to still continue on with their drive while all this is going on and the end zone behind them is just amazing to me. But uh, real quick, uh, uh, a note from Lightbox: Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lamb uh, lamp grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab grown diamonds you can find at a light price. $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in bluish pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lab box, lab grown diamonds are the gift you'll never want to take off price, so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That is lightboxjewelry.com. Never a dull moment. Uh, the Bucks actually had to come from behind to beat the New York Jets on Sunday. Uh, the Bucks are not going to be the ones that I think the Packers clinched it on Sunday, but uh, are going to be in a prime position to go after uh, an eighth Super Bowl ring for Tom Brady. But the biggest story, of course, was uh, the, uh, I don't even know how to like phrase it, the the situation with Antonio Brown on the sideline that blew up Twitter uh, as it was going on. And um, what what were your thoughts on, on, I mean, because I'm sure you guys were in the press box or wherever you were watching this game and, started seeing this stuff coming in. I've never seen anything like that at any level of football, pop Warner, high school, college pro where a guy just basically threw his stuff in the stands, like a professional wrestler and, and, and left the field. Um, there's one thing I wanted to say before uh, you hop in here. Cause I've seen this whole thing that, uh, Oh, the bucks were trying to keep him from getting his bonus. He was only a couple catches from his incentive, yada, yada, yada. Everyone for some reason has seemed to have forgotten that this is the same dude that had a fake vaccination card and got yep. three games. So, like, I don't want to hear this nonsense about all oh, the Bucks trying to keep him from his thing. Antonio Brown tried to keep himself from his bonus by passing off a fake vaccination card. Uh, to my mistake, uh, to my uh, my understanding, he wouldn't pay his personal chef the money, like fifteen hundred dollars or something crazy, that he was supposed to give him for the card. So the chef turned him in. It's little things like that 
Antonio Brown has been known for over the past four plus years. I have little sympathy for him at this point because it doesn't feel like he's trying to go get help. Uh, Clearly, he probably needs some sort of help. As to what that is, I don't know. But it's on him to do this. He's a grown man. He's an adult. And I don't think he's going to do that anytime soon. I say all this because I think that's the last time we're going to see Antonio Brown on an NFL field. Uh, Do you think there's any team out there that would be willing to give him a fifth chance to Uh, to come back? (laughs) I mean, I don't believe so. But, like, I've said that the last three times. And someone still gave him a chance. So, I'm sure somebody might get desperate enough, but I just I have a hard time seeing it. I mean, it, each time something happens, I feel like it, he just worsens his chance. And what I was I was saying to to some people the other day, I was like, I, I don't think Antonio Brown understands that like he can't play this game forever. Like he's like 33, 34 years old. At some point, he's not going to be able to play anymore. He's going to retire and the path that he's going down right now, he's going to probably be one of those players that turns out, you know, broken 10 years. Yeah. So he should, what, be, a, he should be a first ballot hall of famer. If you look yeah, at his stats, like easily. but what is, what is Antonio Brown going to do after his football career? It's not like NBC or CBS or any of these other, uh, you know, stations that broadcast the games. They're not going to want him on there. Like no, no chance in hell. Like I just don't see it, but like, Yes, what you said was perfect. Like, the, the whole vaccination thing, he screwed himself out of the incentive. I mean, 100%. If you don't want to take the vaccine, then whatever. But you just got to follow the NFL protocols of, you know, wearing a mask, be a little bit. Yeah, don't do. lie about it. That makes it worse. Yeah. I mean, like, like and, and to be honest, I, I don't know. I, I can't really remember what happened to Aaron Rodgers' situation. I know he said that he – but he, he didn't – he actually still – Followed the protocols. Is that right? No. He he kinda, <laughs> yeah, he kind of skipped around them too. So, he, so that's what makes, it, doesn't make sense to me. Is how did Aaron Rodgers not get suspended? That's an excellent question, actually. And that was the question that was going around uh, at the time because he, he hadn't been uh, uh, suspended or anything. I don't know if he got punished. Uh, I, I don't believe he, he, he may have got fined, but I don't remember it. He, but, he basically he kind of got around it by saying it was a misunderstanding. Um he he was asked in a uh, interview about it earlier in the season, and he he said something along like, "Well, I'm protected" or something like that. He didn't officially yeah, say, "Yeah, something like." But what he meant was he was taking a lot of vitamin C and doing all this uh, herbal stuff and natural stuff, and not the actual vaccination. And he his excuse was he was expecting a follow up question, and it never came, so it just left it out there. But he knew he wasn't vaccinated, so he's not wearing a mask in the locker room. He's not. I mean, he's dapping people on the field after the game i mean it looks as if he's a vaccinated player and he was treated as such by the media until they found out he was not uh i think with antonio brown's situation he went above and beyond trying to prove (laughs) that he was vaccinated when in fact he knew he was not and then to top it all off he didn't pay the guy that got him the card in the first place when he clearly has the money to pay him it was like fifteen hundred dollars it was his personal chef and that's not the first time antonio brown has gotten in trouble for something because he didn't pay someone and they turn him in on whatever it was he did. It, it's almost like a he feels like he can kind of skip out on bills, I guess. But that's what in the end, that's what's going to cost him a Hall of Fame nod. That's going to cost him his job because I don't think anyone's going to really mess with him anymore after this. Like this is kind of if Tom if Tom Brady is vouching for you. Even when, even after the vaccination thing, they were still vouching for Antonio Brown, even though you could feel like Bruce Arians was kind of like, uh, that should have been it right there. But TB still wants him on the team. I'll give him another shot. But um, last week, you know, I, I had uh, Christmas in Ohio and I was driving back on Tuesday. And uh, as I was driving back, I was listening to uh, Undisputed on uh, Fox Sports uh, through XM Satellite Radio. And it was Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, and they were talking about, uh, you know, Antonio Brown had a great game uh, on that Sunday, over 100 yards, 10 catches. Uh, Gronk had had a horrible game, and they were talking about how they were going to need A.B. going forward. And Skip Bayless was like, yeah, the problem is he is going to be due for some sort of something. Like, we don't know what it's going to be, but the track record suggests in the next, like, week or two, he's going to do something that makes all of us go what in the world? And it's going to be this big, huge thing. Like you can't depend on them. And literally like clockwork five days later, 
he does this. And it was as soon as I saw it, I was like, Skip Bayless's voice was in my head. Like, damn, he actually literally called it. Shannon Sharp, I think, called him a tumor, like, you know, like on the show, like to a to a team. Like he's just one of those things that you got to cut it out. You got to cut it out and like not have it in your locker room. I don't think that uh he'll get a shot with any place else. Having said that, though, as we circle back around, do you think Tampa is still a legit contender for the Super Bowl without Antonio Brown? Because they don't have any wide receivers right now. Like all their dudes are banged up or out for the season. I do only because Tom Brady's the quarterback. I mean, right? <laughs> teams that are far less talented in New England with this than than this Tampa Bay team. I mean, I think he's got a chance now. In my opinion, I do believe that the favorite is Green Bay, and I think they will get to the Super Bowl and potentially win it. Um, they're they're just playing lights out right now, and yeah, they really are. I, ironically enough, one of their their biggest saviors is a former Panther, Russell Douglas. This dude, out of nowhere, has been just lighting world the, the world on fire. He's getting pick sixes like every week. He's getting interceptions every week. He's shutting down the opposing guy, uh, the opposing team's number one receiver. And they're doing all this without J- Jair Alexander, who's their number one corner. So when he comes back, he, he may have already came back. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. like they're in a good situation. So and they're gonna be and they're gonna the one seed throughout the playoffs. So you got to go through Lambeau Field in January to uh to advance. Now, Tom Brady did that last year. <laughs> Literally yep. went to Green really? Bay and, and and did exactly what I just said. So uh, but this Tampa team, I, th- I think uh, people forget at one point last year, Tampa was seven and five and then got hot into yeah. the playoffs. And the NFL is really the one sport other than maybe college basketball where it's not so much what you did throughout the whole year. It's who's playing the hottest at the end because you, you'll see a wild card team win a Super Bowl or, you know, some team win four straight or whatever it might be. And it's usually who the hottest team is. So I'm kind of looking around like, well, who are the hottest teams? The Kansas City Chiefs have won like eight straight games and no one's really people kind of wrote them off early in the year and kind of forgot about them. And they they got right. Their defense got right. The offense got situated. The Chiefs are probably going to be back in the Super Bowl. The Patriots just dropped a 50 burger on uh, some poor team on Sunday. I can't even remember who it was now. Uh, so, I mean, and the Patriots are they kind of like 2004 New England uh, young quarterback. Don't make mistakes. Good defense. So I'm kind of looking at them. In the NFC, it's wide open because I I don't think that uh, that Green Bay has a lock on it. I, I feel like Dallas. If you catch Dallas on the wrong day, Dallas will drop forty on you, like whether yeah. you're home or away. It just depends on what Dallas wants to do. Uh, Tampa again, they're missing some wide receivers, but they have Tom Brady. I just if Tom Brady can pull this off with what's left on this offensive roster with the wide receivers he has left and like a fifty year old Gronk. He's trudging up and down the field. But if he's able to get an eighth ring after that, I might just give up watching NFL like next year. Like, <laughs> what's the point of doing this if Tom Brady's there at the end uh, and making it look easy? Like, making it look really, really easy. Uh, and for them to win down on the road to the Jets with Antonio Brown doing this mid game in the third quarter. They were down like 15 points. And then for Brady to lead them back to win that game anyway just shows, you know, I- I'm ready for him to retire. He's in our division. Just get out of here, man. Like, wh- what does it take? Like, what, what how many more rings do you have left to prove? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's like the, uh, the old uh, Kobe Bryant uh, commercials they had for Nike where Kanye West is like, uh, you know, how many more records do I need to break? And Kobe's like, more records. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, what else more do I need to do? More. And it's just like, good Lord, man. How, how much more does Tom Brady have left to do here? But uh, he's still playing at a high level. So we'll get to see Tom Brady because I'm pretty sure they're going to play these guys. Uh, well, actually, it's a good question. Are they going to play these guys on Sunday? Because are, are the Bucks kind of locked into their position or from uh, what you think they're going to play? From what I'm hearing and gathering, it seems like they are going to play their guys because, one, I feel like they don't want to get too cold going into the playoffs because they're they want to keep those guys ready to go and keep them in a rhythm and they're in their routine. Some guys prefer them to to do that, and some prefer like, hey, let's just not risk it. But for Tampa Bay, their seating is not really set yet. They can, I believe, can go anywhere from two to four. Now, interestingly enough, now you would think they would want the number two seed to give them a better chance and, and have 
better matchups. But if the New Orleans Saints win against the Falcons this weekend, and I believe it has to be the Rams beat the 49ers, the 49ers have to beat the Rams. One of those things has to happen. I can't remember which way it is. The Saints will get the last spot in the playoffs, which means we'll get the seven seed. So that means they will play the number two seed, which could be Tampa Bay. And guess who's beaten Tampa Bay twice this year? New Orleans. Yeah. So do they really want the two seed? I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. This week is going to be a lot of fun to watch the NFL because there's so many scenarios that could play out. And it's honestly my favorite week of the season because there's just so many guys fighting for their playoff lives. Like, who the heck thought the Raiders even still had a chance to make the playoffs? I thought they were already eliminated. Right. If they beat the Chargers, they're in. Like, Jeez. Yeah, there's a lot of chess pieces moving around, teams that might not want to play certain teams and try to avoid them, like you were saying. Uh, Other teams trying to just get in. Uh, it's it's an exciting part of the year. I like what the NFL has done by putting all these division games at the very end of the season so that you don't have a lot of uh, what we used to have, which was teams basically just sitting their starters the last week of the year in a meaningless game. Um, you're not going to have a whole lot of that this upcoming Sunday. We'll see what the Panthers do to finish out the 2021 regular season. Um, they take on Tampa Bay Bucks 1 p.m. on Fox to finish out this season. And then the offseason begins. Uh, our season will still go on for a little bit afterwards through the playoffs, and we'll we'll uh, discuss that, and we'll also look at some offseason moves the Panthers need to make. Uh, we'll turn our attention towards the draft and things of that sort. Of course, our season typically ends right around, uh, right around draft time or, or right before it actually. We usually come back for a draft uh, special, so – uh, we'll still be here to give you some Panther news and notes and things of that sort. Usually after the season ends is when we start bringing on other people, other beat writers and things like that to join me and Skylar to discuss what the hell we just watched uh, with the Panthers <laughs> and <laughs> what they need to do going forward. So we'll start lining some of that up for you as well. Um, keep in mind, you can listen to previous episodes of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at Believe Podcast. Um, you can follow Skylar and his work. Not only is he the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated, he's also the beat writer for our Charlotte Hornets, who are actually playing very well and uh, are going to be a threat in the Eastern Conference, I think, this season. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at Callahan underscore, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tobacco Radio or at DEZ underscore 3505. This has been another edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. We'll be back next week. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.